Shared equity is a real option for first-time buyers. But what is it? As price rises continue, interest rates remain high and the years it takes to save a deposit keeps increasing, you could be forgiven for getting despondent. Today, we're exploring how shared equity would breathe new life into some first home buyer dreams. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to move it along and become homeowners. But most importantly, it is for you to become an educated home buyer. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mum. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 45 years experience to share with you and bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information you can rely on. Allow us to guide you on your home buying journey. We want you to become an educated home buyer so that you can stop looking for your first home and actually become a proud homeowner. We've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. And there you'll get access to our free mini course, How to Price a Property Like a Professional. You will also find the holy grail of home buying education, Your First Home Buyer Guide, the online course for people who want to become educated home buyers. We created this for you to help you get on the right path to home ownership for your first home and beyond. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, we've got the boring the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field who takes the time to understand your personal situation. We've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording. Things change rapidly, so always check with the relevant government authority and your trusted advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about one new option for getting onto the property ladder for people who don't qualify for first home buyer schemes nor have access to the bank of mum or dad, mum and dad, mum or dad. Today we have a guest who has been very busy coming up with a solution for people who have felt their dreams of ownership have been slipping away. We have Evan Thornley as the CEO of Longview and he's a technology and social entrepreneur who for the last seven years has been consumed with seeking solutions to Australia's housing problems. And one such solution is a shared equity scheme for homeowners. And that's just what we've invited him to come along and talk to us about today. Welcome, Evan. Great to see you both. Welcome. I love this. And one of the main reasons I love what you're doing here is you're not excluding anybody, right? But we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Can you explain to us what your scheme is? What's it all about? Yeah, well, as everybody knows, to buy a home, you need a combination of your own savings, which you usually call equity, and then the mortgage, the debt from the bank. And you can only borrow a certain amount of money from the bank. They'll only lend you a certain amount of money and you don't want to take any more of their money than you need because it costs a lot to pay it back. Um but the problem for so many home buyers, particularly early stage home buyers, is that they don't have enough equity in the first place to get the bank. The bank will only give you up to about 80% of the purchase price. You can get a little bit more, but then it starts costing you extra yeah. with lenders, mortgage insurance and so on. So a lot of people, as we know, get the bank of mum and dad to help out with the rest of their deposit, with the rest of their equity. And that's great for people who have it. And I'll be honest, I've done that for my children. Um, but for many people, there isn't a bank of mum and dad available. And so that savings process to get enough equity 
to get your deposit is really hard. So shared equity, and, and this is an idea that's been around for about 20 years in various mm. forms. It's, not, it's actually quite a mature idea, both in Australia and overseas in various different forms. It's not, you know, we're not splitting the atom in new ways. And, and now there's all this and stuff. And that might shared surprise equity. people because it feels a yeah. bit like a buzzword at the moment. It yeah, sort of feels well, like, oh, sort of this is new, but it's been around you, a long time. Right? Yeah. And probably because the government has started offering shared equity. Yeah. So, so yeah. the idea with uh, with almost all shared equity schemes is, hey, if somebody else can put in some of the equity to help the home buyer get the mortgage and buy the home, then that's a great way to get people into the home. And the difference with equity versus debt is there's no monthly repayments. It's 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 equity. It's meant to sit there with the homeowner, and usually then it gets repaid when you sell the home. So now, obviously, if somebody's giving you money for that, whether it's the government or, or a, a private company or fund, there needs to be some investment return. But if you buy a good home that grows in value, then the value of the equity grows. And so the shared equity provider gets a share of that upside. And so effectively, the home, the home buyer gets to get a better home sooner and the, the shared equity provider gets to share in the increase in the value of the home. And that's why it works without any monthly repayments, without any of the things that, you know, banks and debt is completely different to equity, right? The bank yeah. doesn't care whether your home goes up in value or not. They could not care, right? All they care is that you pay their money back every month. And that's fine. That's what bank mortgages are here to do. Mm. But as a as Very a, few as people can buy partner, a home without a mortgage, can they, Evan? I mean, at, at, at the heart of it, very few people can buy a house without a mortgage. So it's, it's going yeah. to probably I mean, sit there given, for most you know, people. We have some of the highest, highest prices in the world. So- you know, almost everyone, if they don't have family wealth, uh, is buying a home, and and they're going to have a mortgage, and and that's necessary. Um, so we're not trying to add to the mortgage yeah. burden. You know, there's enough of that already. We're trying to be the patient partner who can give you equity that doesn't need to be repaid every month, but which can get its reward if the value of the home goes up. And what I love about that is it completely aligns our interests with our clients' interests. Yes, right. You know. Our job is to help our clients buy the best possible home, you know. And as as you too well know, because we're we're colleagues and we have uh, a, a range of professional buyers advisors both in our organisation and that we work with in 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 the buying advisory industry. You know, our job is to help someone find a home that is the right fit for them and their family, and that is also going to create wealth for them over time. Because you've uh, got a vested and, interest, and I think that's and, and something so, that's important. You know, to- so many parts of the real estate. And, and property and banking industry, the companies make their money from their clients, not with their clients. Yeah. What, what yeah. I really love about what we've done, and, yeah. and you know, I've been talking about this for a long time. It's taken us three and a half years to build this. There's a lot of work behind the scenes to make this really work. But, you know, in simple terms, the investors who provide the money are only going to make $1 if the home buyer makes at least two, right? And so I, I really think that's a great alignment. And and our job as the folks in the middle of that is to help everybody by helping them buy the right home that's going to be a great fit for their family and is going to go up in value. Now, I just want to step in at this point because I'm yeah. going to be devil's advocate, right? Please. Even though I think this is a great initiative and I'll put it out there that I think mm. that anybody is putting their own hard-earned, if you like, into trying to come up with solutions. It's a business. Of course, Evan is running mm-hmm. a business, but at the same time, he does have a social conscience and so there's there's a... A bigger picture here, and that's why we're in support of this discussion. 
Oh. But I'm I'm going to be the devil's advocate because, you know, I just love to be the contrarian. And I want to make sure that if anyone's considering this, that they're also aware of what, you know, the pros and cons that really? go with this. And also the type of buyer that might be best suited to investigating such an arrangement. Mm. But in right. order to do so, I think that what we need to do is very quickly understand where the money's coming from. Now, when people invest, um, and forget property for a minute, any type of investor, anybody's investing some of their hard-earned money or equity or whatever they're doing, whatever money they're investing, they expect a return. Some yeah. people e- invest money for dividends, and so they're investing for an income. Some people are investing for a long-term capital growth play, which is what we in- incidentally recommend with property anyway. Yeah. And that is where you invest in sometimes in a new business or in, in a number of different ways that you can invest for the future. Um, and so you're, you're pitching or you're, you've got your faith in in uh, an investment thesis, if you like, that's going to return a good capital um, growth oh. after a period of time. And then there's also investments that's just like gold and they're just for bonds that are just for safety, you know, safe parking of money. So this, this is a type of investor that would actually sign up for this sort of fund and contribute money to this sort of fund that then would be available for buyers to use to help buy their home is a type of investors is looking for a long-term capital growth play. They're not looking to earn money every month. They're not looking for a contribution from the home buyer to, to pay rent towards them or anything like that. This, this yep. is a bet on the ability of these people um, who are using the money vis-a-vis, you know, through guidance and, and we'll talk about how the hell do these individuals buy good quality assets so that therefore the investor can feel confident that they're going to get a return on their investment. But that's the sort of premise. And that's why the the values are aligned, that it's in the investor's best interests that you, if you use their money, buys a good quality asset. It's in your interests to buy a good quality asset, regardless if you're using their money or not. And in the in the uh, in the the situations where by getting access to these sorts of funds allows you to get a better asset than you would otherwise be able to get or to be in a property for longer, um, then there's a good case for considering this as an option. So, But I'm going to talk about, I'm going to definitely be devil's advocate and throw up some questions about the dark side of this as we move on. I think (laughs) your your illustration of how we've tried to align everybody around one factor, a great home that gets good capital growth, everybody wins. That was great, but I'm not sure that was devil's advocacy, so I'm suspecting it's coming now. Oh, no, what do you mean, Evan? I'm putting people on notice. There's some There'll questions be a sting coming in the for tail. you. I can yeah. feel it coming. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's get to some of those questions because I'm really interested. I mentioned earlier there are government schemes that co- that use a similar terminology of shared yes. equity. How's this different to those sorts of schemes? Yeah, look, in a couple of ways, but I, I think the first way I'd say it's that the two most important differences are the government schemes. And I think it's great what the government's doing. Don't get mm, me wrong. It's wonderful. Yeah. They're going to help a lot of people into a home who wouldn't yeah. get in one otherwise. But inevitably with governments, they have a certain amount of money available. They want to make sure it's given to the people who most need it. And so they have a whole lot of eligibility criteria, mm. as there are for so many different government things. But what that effectively means is for many kind of middle-of-the-road home buyers, they're not eligible for the government money. Mm. So. If you earn more than, I mean, there's different schemes, state and federal, yeah. but yeah, if you earn more than 120000 or you want to spend more than 950000 on the home or, or whatever, and you know, it's hard to buy a family home in Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane for 950 yeah. these days, mm-hmm. um, you, you're simply not eligible, right? So that, yeah. that, that, so that, and, and fair enough, right? The government should be targeting the money to the people that, that most need it. I, I don't have a problem with that, but 
that leaves a huge number of people who don't have a mum, bank of mum and dad, but who are not eligible for the government uh, help. The second thing, which again is a bit, this this is just, I guess, inevitable with government. I'll, I'll put it the other way around. At Longview, our most cherished belief about what we're trying to do with our buying burst offer is to make one thing super clear. It's your home. Okay. No ifs, no buts. We're not a joint owner of the home. We're not on title. We can't tell you to sell it. We can't, you don't have to ask our permission to do stuff. It's your home. That's the whole point of owning a home is for it to be your home. The government scheme's sort of like that, but you need to report back every year. And if your income's gone up too much, they might have to get you to refinance out. And, you know, and then if you want to do something to it, you have to get their permission. And I like, again, I get why the government does that, but we just think that that it is absolutely sacrosanct that if we're helping people buy a home, it's their home. So I think those are two differences. The third difference, which is the difference between what we're doing with Longview, Longview Buying Boost and, and both all the government and other private providers, is that our focus is all about helping you buy the right home. So that's why we have professional buying advisors involved. So we're not just providing you money, we're providing you with expertise. Um, you know, somebody who's actually on your side, right? The real estate agent's not on your side. If you're lucky, the mortgage broker's on your side. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're on the bank side. Um, you know, we're on your side. Our job is to help you buy the best home possible. And if we do that successfully, then the investors are happy, the home buyer is happy, um, and, and, and that's how the system works. So I've got one devil's advocate for you, which is probably not what I was thinking I was going to be bringing up. Yeah. But that is like, if I'm an investor... So now I'm thinking about like the investor, not the first home buyer. If I'm an investor, I'm thinking I actually do want to say if somebody's going to go and paint the whole place pink and put Doric columns all over it because that might actually take away some of that capital growth we're talking about. So perhaps possibly you might want to, you know, add in the uh, an advisory line, you know, at some point just so people can avoid making big mistakes. Super clear. Obviously, I talk to both our clients who we're helping buy homes and to investors who provide the money. I'm super clear with investors. It's their home. And you should feel good about that because self-evidently when it's your home, you look after it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we, we have in Longview because we're, we're, we're a big property business. We manage 4,000 rental properties. Um, and I'm proud to say we do it better than almost anyone else in the country. We've been awarded uh, for that, both for our uh, owners and for our renters, by the way. Um, and so we know a lot about the world of renting properties and and the challenges of it for both owners and renters and uh and you know one thing that everybody knows is that people who own their homes on average look after them significantly better than those homes uh, tend to be looked after in a rental environment so from an investor's point of view you're getting a much better um outcome on that without being draconian about it you don't need to okay people will look after it themselves the second thing to be blunt from an investor point of view when we're buying quality family homes, most of the value in those homes is actually in the land underneath them. Most people don't understand that. And so this is why we say it's your home. You know, short of burning it down, you should do whatever you want with your home. A, you'll almost certainly do the right thing because it's your home. But B, the money that the investors are going to make is going to principally come because the value of the land underneath the home is going to grow. So really trying to police people in their own home is not necessary to deliver good outcomes for investors and would completely spoil the whole point of this, which is to help people buy a home that is their home. 
I've got I've got another devil's advocate question, but I want to save it for later. And he's about um, upgrading and rent and renovating yes. these properties. But th- yep. we'll get to that. So, who qualifies? Who qualifies for this this uh, well, well, um, scheme? Well, uh, again, we're we're not in the business of making people eligible or ineligible. We don't. We're not here to evaluate you. We're here to help you. Um, now, obviously, um, we're only putting in some of the equity. So, if you don't have a decent amount of savings of your own, then we won't be able to help you because we're only putting in a, a, a minority share of the equity. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's not that you're ineligible, but I mean, we, we can't help you if you haven't, uh, you know, got a decent amount of savings. So, so what are you um, talking about? Like costs of purchasing and so forth. Yeah, as well, uh, you know, stamps so. just for starters, yeah, right? So, yeah. Um, so again, we're not here to evaluate you. Uh, um, we we we're here to help anyone who wants to buy a home that is good quality home. Um, so our job is to focus on the asset, but obviously you've got to be you've got to be in the ballpark of having a chance to buy the home. And with our extra equity, it actually means that you can. So um, you know, if you've only saved up two or three percent of the purchase price of a home, uh, we, we we can't help you get to twenty from there. Right. Mm. Um, the government can. I think that the government yeah. will talk to you if you've got two. And again, great that they do. So, so if you, you know, meet people, the criteria. We, people we're helping have at least a hundred thousand dollars of savings, um, and that's even for a modest home, as as you know, you know, if you're trying to buy a million dollar home, you need about two hundred thousand for your deposit plus the yeah. stamp duty. Um, so, um, so people have got to have proper savings, but but again, we're not here to evaluate them. We're not here to ask about your job or your credit history. The, the banks will do that. That's the bank's You get job. a mortgage from the bank. They yep. care all about that because their job is to make sure you pay the money every month. Our job is to make sure you buy the right home. And the other thing, though, that is a qualification is where you want to buy because you guys are, are yes. really on Eastern Seaboard and you're really around the three major cities there, right? Yeah. Look, you know, we're, we're just starting out after three and a half years of building mm. this. So we're helping clients now buy homes in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, or I, I would call it greater Sydney, greater Melbourne and greater Brisbane. So, you know, southeast Queensland, uh, Sydney, Central Coast, Wollongong, um, Melbourne, Geelong, you, you know, but, but the three major urban centres at this stage will probably expand to Canberra at some point. And, and I'm sure in the fullness of time, my apologies to your audience in in, in Perth and Adelaide and, and Hobart. I, I hope we'll get there in the fullness of time. But initially we're doing Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Yep. Now, our audience, of course, is largely first home buyers. And, yep. and this, of, of course, is something that you can you can certainly look into. But you're not just here to help first home buyers, are you? There's, there's well, no it's funny. You know, we started you building this with the first home buyers in mind, and I think it's a, a wonderful product for many first home buyers. But then people started coming to us and said, again, are we eligible? We're not first home buyers, you mm, know, uh, and mm. I'll give a good example and a sad one. But, you know, a lot of people have been through a divorce uh, are now rebuilding their lives, don't have the amount of finance and equity that they mm. used to have. And it's really important at that stage in their lives, often with growing children, there's a big difference between what you can afford with a bit of extra help from us and not. So they were saying, you know, are we eligible? Can we get your help to buy a home or do we have to be first home buyer? And we're like, of course you're eligible. Um, we're here to help you buy a good home and a better home sooner. You know, that's our motto. So um, we're, we're in no way restricted by who, again, it's not about who you are. It's about whether we can help you get a better home sooner that will be a good investment for you and therefore for the investors that are providing the money. So it could be first, second, fourth, seventh, uh, yeah, single look, couple. We're we, well, we're definitely seeing, uh, you know, what I'd call, as you would you would know this group well, uh, upgraders, right? 
yeah. let's say they're the folk in buying their second or third home, maybe the kids are moving into high school, that's kind of the time when, you know, that, that's probably the biggest and most expensive home you're likely to buy in your life. Yeah. And and you really want to stretch to get the one you want. And, you know, we, we've given some of those clients extra money that gets them really the family home that they want now. Um, their next home is probably going to be a downsize. So obviously they've given away a little bit of the of the, of the future profit, of the future upgrowth in the value of the home, but they've got the money now to buy the home they really need to live in. But I, And I think that philosophy, though, goes right back to first home buyers too. You know, part of the reason people try and get on a, hou- a housing ladder and be able to step their way up is they have to be able to step their way up to what they can afford. Ultimately, they're probably trying to get to a quality family home, particularly if they've got kids, you know, growing. And, you know, part of what we're hoping to do is get them to use our slogan, a better home sooner, maybe we get you one step further up the ladder earlier, right? Mm, which means you buy one almost. less home, which means one less lot of stamp duty, one less lot of moving, Better. one one less lot of time to have to get to know new neighbours, move to new schools, you know, all the things that are really disruptive. Uh, I think most of us are wanting to live, you know, as long as we can in a, in a home that really works for us and be yeah. part of a community. And so we hope that part of what we're doing is helping people buy less homes uh, and better ones sooner. Yeah, and and less of those stepping stones, you know, less, yeah. less need to move. So, okay, and with that, what I want to get is a greater understanding of the equity, if the share in the equity uplift, yep. so the share in the upside. Because yes. let me just put it sort of on paper. If you say I, I had, I could buy a million dollars, say I could buy a property for a million dollars, unassistant, right? Yep. But a really good property for me would be, a $1.2 million property. Yeah. And if that was the case, I was able to buy an extra bedroom and maybe bigger yard and, and you know, the, I could definitely see the kids could stay there through high school. Oh. So in order to do so, I say, great, Evan, I'd like to sign up. I'd like to take advantage of $200, $200,000, right? So the property, I go from being able to buy a $1 million to buying a $1.2 million, right? And then the day I buy it, presumably it's worth $1.2 million or I haven't overpaid. <laughs> and then over time it goes up in value, right? And say say in 10 years' time it's worth $2 million. Hopefully it's worth more than that, but say it's worth $2 million. So there's $800,000 growth in that time. What's the share for the investor versus the share for me as the buyer? So when you yeah. say a share of the upside, how does that $800,000 get divvied up? Yeah, and so let's be clear. This is only ever a share of the upside. Right, right? Yep. And so the investor is taking a lot of risk. What if there's no upside? What if the property market crashes? What if the home goes down in value? Yeah. Okay. We're equity investors. We ride up or down with the client, right? Yeah. The, and also the so, client gets to live in it the whole right? time. You know, yeah, they get exactly. the benefit yeah, of the It's home. not like yeah. the bank. The bank does not care. You mm. owe them the money no matter what, right? Yeah. So so it's a very different thing. So it's important. And it's not a share of the whole home. No. The, the value of the home when you bought it, that's all yours, right? We're only getting a share of the upside that oh, we- Plus you get create. your 200 back, right? Well, you get our money yeah. back, yeah. 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 <laughs> Two hundred. Um, so you get two hundred, and then so you get the share of the upside. So look, it's self limited um, to a maximum of one third of the upside. Right. So the real question is, and 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 we go through each client and each asset separately, so we won't try and do the math on screen here. But the question is, what's the maximum amount of money we're willing to give you for a third of the upside? And and the reason we chose a third was kind of what I said earlier. I always want to be in a situation where whatever you, you know and let's hope the investors do make good money otherwise we're not going to be able to get any money for future funding right but if they do the only way they can make good money is if the client makes twice as much 
So, right, okay. So in your example, um, uh, if there was 800,000 of capital growth and and the investors have a third of that capital growth, then they'll have a third of the 800 and you'll have two thirds. I wish I'd picked the 900 capital growth. It'd be so much easier. Yeah, it would have been so just much the easier. numbers would have been a little bit more <laughs> yeah. straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so, that just proves I didn't know the answer. It proves yeah. I didn't know the answer to the yeah. question before asking yeah. it. But, but again, I think <laughs> the important thing to understand is, like, that all looks great in retrospect, but the investor is taking all the risk on whether that actually happens or not. Of right? course. Again, they're not. it's not a bank. The, the investor has to hit and hope. Um, now, our job is to help buy houses with the clients that we think are as certain as possible to generate good capital yeah. growth for everyone's benefit. And so the downside of that, just so people understand well, that, is that, you know, if this isn't your sort of, when I say forever home, you know, you, well, you, your largest home you're going to own, then, and you, you take advantage of this, or if you buy into the property market, your first property, and you're buying a property that you are going to outgrow in sort of eight to 10 years, then you are going to then have to forego a third of the equity that you've gained in that A third of the upside. Sorry, a third of the upside. Or the equity, the upside, the equity that you've gained, right, in that time. And so it is going to make upgrading harder. Now, of course, if you've gone and got a fantastic asset that has absolutely blitzed and outperformed everything else, then, you know, all things being equal, you might end up being the same as if you bought a piece of crap all by yourself. We run these scenarios all the time, Veronica, to, to... you know, obviously there's going to be occasions where by the end of it, you come out with a little less money than you would have had, had you not, because yeah. you've got to live in a better home for 10 years, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, it's how you also, measure. There are also scenarios where you actually, even even then, not only do you get to live in a better home, but you actually come out with more money, right? <laughs> so uh, for starters, you're getting capital growth on a, a bigger asset. So the total amount of capital growth is higher. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, our job is to help you perhaps buy a, a home that would have got better capital growth than you might have bought without our help, and so the rate of capital growth. So the, yep. I, I'm not here to guarantee that you'll physically come out with more money than if you'd never taken it, but it's kind of hypothetical, right, because you would never have even be able to buy that home without That's exactly right. And, but what I'm trying to illustrate here, though, is that if somebody is buying something that is still not going to be it for them, yeah. you know what I mean, it's still not going to be big enough for them in the longer term or even the medium to longer term, then they have to understand the limitations this will impose upon them yeah. upgrading. And maybe then they need to do it again for the next property, do yeah. another, you know, and equity you And hopefully player. we've helped you buy a better, more expensive home that has stronger capital appreciation uh, and you'll end up in the same place or better than you were before. Um, but uh, but either way, the, the thing I'll guarantee you is you'll live in a better home sooner for as long as you're there. And my hope is we've done such a good job that you actually come out with even more money than you would have without, but obviously uh, it won't always be that way. Yeah. We, we talk quite a bit about, um, and, and we've done some interviews where we've talked about um, people sort of stepping back and rather than just taking, you know, some of the advice they get from social media forums of, yeah. you know, avoid LMI at all costs or don't yeah. get involved in, you know, anything, uh, like all of these kind of preconceived notions that people develop over time because of what other people think. And it's about actually stepping back and going, this is another option. I need to explore it for me. What are the pros? What are the cons? Yeah, and, and, it's and not see, free money. Say, do you you know, it, right? Do your homework. These, these are big decisions. They're complicated, just like the mortgage is a big decision and complicated. Mm. 
um, taking additional finance from a shared equity provider is a proper decision that's about serious money and, and you should do your homework. You should get good advice, um, you know, with the mortgage broker or, or a financial advisor. Um, and, you know, I guess look, we're in the fortunate position uh, with what we're trying to do with, with buying boost at the moment. There are so many people who need that help. We don't need to go out and try and give it to people for whom it's not a good solution, mm, right? Yeah. Like we, we just don't. Um, um, so, you know, we, we come across clients have come to us and we've said, actually, I've got to tell you, you're actually eligible for the government scheme. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a better deal than ours. Now, it has these limitations, but yeah. I think you should look at that first. We'll try and help you get it. Mm, you know, I'm, I'm not here to try and sell money to people that don't need it, right? That's, that's what banks do, right? Um, we're here to try and help people buy really good quality homes and get the extra money that they need to do that. And if we do that, everybody wins. And and we don't need to do anything else, thank God, because that's that's why it took so long to build this was to make sure that it actually had everyone aligned. And it goes back to our, Veronica, it goes back to our principles of buy the best property that you yeah. can within yeah. your financial means. Um, without stretching yourself to the point of, of eating tuna and rice every other day. But but it does go back to that point of your focus is on, and I think this is why we have such good and rigorous discussions, your focus is on the quality of the asset. And, and you know, what I find very gratifying, and you as, you know, long-time professional buying advisors would deeply understand this, you know, for the first time the buyer's got someone genuinely on their side, you know, and we try and give our best professional advice and work with buying advisors to give their best professional advice. And what I find gratifying is one of the reasons the clients actually believe it, because everyone tells you they're working in your interest, like the sales agents do and the banks do, and actually they're not, um, is we're putting proper money under your backside for the next 10 years, right? Yeah. So uh, we found there's not a lot of pushback from clients with the idea that they can actually believe that our advice is genuinely in their interest in terms of the, the right home to buy. You know, we don't, we're not selling them the home. We're not taking any kickbacks or yeah. anything else, right? The only thing that matters is to help the client buy the right home. If they buy the right home, they'll do really well. Most importantly, the investors will get a good yeah. return and they're happy. We will build a business. So, so the clients have confidence that we're on their side. Um, not because we're nice people, though I'd like to think that is also true, but frankly, because we're just, you know, we're completely aligned in our interests about buying the right home. So there's two things that come out of that for me. One is that um, if you don't use this to get the best possible asset you can get and the, effectively the biggest possible house you can get, you know, well, for your needs, then it's wasted in a way. It, yes. it's, it's, this is really where you maximise it. But the, the other thing that I think is important too, you did say earlier, and I want to clarify this, you said that, um, you know, you're not going on title. It's not you're not a co-owner, yeah. right? My understanding is the government um, effectively are co-owners. That's my understanding. So instead, I'm guessing you're putting a caveat on the title. Is yeah. that the way it works? Y yeah. So it depends on who your mortgage lender is. We'll either put a caveat or we'll have uh, a, a second mortgage, but it's not a mortgage that you have to pay back every month. Got so it. So you can't default yeah. on us. So the purpose of so it's we covering have security, you, so you get paid at the purpose end. Purpose of our security, whether it's a caveat or a, or a, or a mortgage yeah. security, is is to do one thing and one thing only to make sure that when you sell the home, you pay back the contract yeah. as as agreed. Yes, obviously yeah. the investors need to have that protection. Yeah, but you can't you can't be in breach of it like a, a bank mortgage. We can't sell you up 
Um, so you don't owe us anything along the way. So there's nothing to be in breach of. So, so yes, there's no the security to make sure that you honour the deal. Because frankly, the home buyer gets the entire benefit of the deal <laughs> until the yeah, last day when they until sell it's home. Sold. We need you, some you, legal protection to make sure the investors you can't go and knock on the door and go. Yeah. We want to check on how our investment's going. It's like uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, they're not having inspections every year. No, and, none and of that. None of that. Question about it's that. Your home. Can I yeah. can I ask? Um, so just trying to think through different scenarios. You know, you always. Um, plan for the worst and, uh-huh. and then work towards yeah. the best. But, okay, let's talk about some different scenarios. So generally the your investment is paid back and the share of the upside on the sale of the property. Yes. What in the case, um, a couple of bought a house, there's a divorce, the house isn't actually sold. Uh-huh. Um, how how would that kind of be looked at? Then we're, we're just, we, we, we have that interest in the home. Stays on the property on the and, title, and so our interest stays in the property. Okay, so then when what, that property is eventually sold, yeah, um, can they you, can they buy you out at any point yes, during the process? Can. Yes, okay, they can. So okay. Uh, and, and and you know, I, I think a number of our clients will do that, and we've seen that in shared equity schemes around the world. Yeah. It's fine. So so if you want, if you're in a position, let's say, um, uh, well, your income's often gone up, the value of the home's gone up. Perhaps interest rates have gone down or you've got a bonus or, a, or an inheritance and you go, well, you know, I'd prefer to buy the rest of my capital growth back. Mm. Thanks very yep. much, but I don't want to sell a home. Then we just get the home valued at that point in time by a registered valuer, um, apply as if you'd sold the property at that price, and then you buy out the contract for what you would have paid back if you had sold the property. What yeah. Okay. And what if you renovate? Because if yeah. I buy, you know, my $1.2 million house yes. and then, you know, five years down the track, I've, I'm going to do an extension. It's going to cost me another 500000 Yep. right? Um, instead of paying you back, I decide to invest further in the property. Yeah. And so does that change yeah. then the ratio? So, look, we, I mean, we talk a lot about this, Veronica, and, and, you know, sort of tried to keep it simple, but based on our experience. So at the end of the day, the assumption is – that we've done a deal for a portion of the value of the property, we're not going to change that deal unless there's a good reason. But a good reason is a structural renovation. So in broad terms, what we say is cosmetic renovations, the benefit is principally to the person who lives in the home. And Mm -hmm. over a period of time, that benefit gradually disappears. And likely by the time you've sold it, it isn't changing the value of the home much, which you know. Yeah, a structural renovation, broadly speaking, adds roughly the cost of the renovation to the home. So, if you bought a two million dollar home, you add two bedrooms and a bathroom for half a million bucks. You'll probably get the extra half a million back when you sell it. So, with a structural renovation, if the client wants to do a structural renovation, we'll adjust the original value in the contract to include the cost of the renovation. Um, but if they're doing cosmetic renovations, then we don't. Yeah, so great. again, every we were happy to look at every case individually with clients, but that's that's our basic rule. I think most people think that that's that's fair. You yeah, know, sometimes the people, as you know, it's sometimes yeah. people think they yeah. should have been on the block and they can spend one hundred and fifty on a cosmetic reno and they've added, you know, three quarters of a million to the sale price. Yeah, um, and you know, uh, we don't think that actually happens or hardly ever. So sorry, but if you think that that's what's going on and we're somehow getting a free ride. Then for goodness sake, just buy us out and and knock yourself out. But <laughs> um, but most people think I think that our solution is fair. They can understand. In fact, a lot of people didn't realise the difference between a cosmetic and a structural in terms of sale value. And and yeah. like many of these things, it's quite educational for clients to have the conversation. 
It is a good point. The reality is if you do your cosmetic upgrade just before you sell, it could actually have a huge impact on the sale yeah, no, price. Well, so, that's right. And, yeah. actually, you know, mm. and, and maybe we'll help co-fund mm. that if that's mm. a good investment for an immediate sale. But if you yeah. do it at the beginning, you're going to live in it for another 10 years. Yeah, it'd be devalued by the time it'd be done again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. True. Interesting stuff. And so what's that actually called, Evan? Uh, so Longview Buying Boost is is the product. Right. So, yeah, better home sooner. Okay. Now, I guess we'll put a link better in the show notes. Sooner. We'll, yeah, we'll <laughs> put a link in the show notes for people to look into it. A- another question I had for you, though, Evan, is you talked about getting advice, right? Yes. Now, it's really difficult to get financial advice because there's less and less financial advisors out there, right? Yeah. And the cost of advice is going up. Mortgage brokers typically aren't necessarily equipped to advise yeah. in this space. Property advice, well, we all know you don't need, or do we all know, but if you don't know, you should know that property advice is not regulated. Anybody can give you property advice without any qualifications. They can effectively leave school in year 10 and give you property advice. So don't ever uh, go to a property advisor that's not at least PIPA qualified, you know, with the QPIA, but that's another another topic. Um, so your accountant perhaps might be able to run some numbers for you, but, but in terms of where do you get advice, you know, how does someone really or illegal advice perhaps i mean what sort of advisor would someone go to to say right is this the right thing for me is this because you know yeah. we, we all say this go you. and get advice yeah. but yeah. yeah uh i mean I, I wish there was an easier answer to that yes. in all cases you know i mean we, we we try and help people who don't have you know sometimes we come with clients who don't have a mortgage broker we'll suggest a few that we know who we think are reputable or a financial planner um you, you know you try and help people find the right the right folk or or, or accountants but uh, obviously, the provision of financial advice is a highly regulated and licensed profession, as it should be. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, we, we can't give that advice. And obviously, we, we we're, we're we're focused on on what's happening on the property side. So, um, yeah, you know, we try to help folk find people that can give them good good advice. Um, and it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll accept that it's a tough one, and unfortunately. It's the downside of increasing the regulation in the financial advice space is, yeah. is that there's less advisors out there and then we've got the opposite problem in the property space. So be careful <laughs> who you go to for advice. But, but you know, I think prob- possibly an accountant, just to crunch your numbers and potentially yeah. run through some scenarios for you yeah. might be a good way to go about that. And obviously a lawyer to advise you on the obligations that you'd be yeah. signing up for. And so you're very, very clear on how that might look. Um, down the track. But I do think it is something that is definitely an option for certain types of home buyers and certainly in the, the major capitals who yeah. are really precluded from getting help to, and assistance to buy a property. Uh, the, yeah, and look, it, when we've talked to some clients' advisors, we, again, we've said, hey, why don't we send you our spreadsheet? Obviously, you're the advisor. You can decide whether you think our mm. spreadsheet's accurate or you can use it to test sensitivities or whatever. So yeah. we heard it. We, we're always happy to talk to our clients' advisors and, and answer their questions and let them, you know, do what they should do, which is protect their clients' interests and make sure that, that what we're offering is the right thing for their client. Yep. Now, it just, it really does sit really well with, with our principles, Veronica, which is about educating people the entire process of how to buy a property right from the start, all of the different options that are available, all of the different pe- professionals and experts in their own field that they need to gather together to get, you know, to have their team ready to go. And then making sure that they're taking all the steps in the right order to buy the best quality asset that they can within their financial means. 
And as you as you pointed out, Evan, it this this is a potentially another thing to look at that may get them into a better asset than they could yeah. have if they didn't have access to a scheme like this. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, as you understand, because we've known each other through the years as, you know, as colleagues in the buying advisory industry, this is a, a product and a platform that we developed coming out of the world of helping people buy good properties. Yeah. You know, we're not yeah. bankers. Right, we, we we're not people who are in the business selling people money. Oh, that's not the world we come from. We come from the world. Our our whole, you know, purpose in life as an organisation is to help people buy good property, and then if it's an investment property, we manage it for them. Um, and um, so you know, this came up as a solution to client needs that we saw yeah. um, that we wanted to fit in with everything we believe uh, and you believe about the best way to buy the best property. Yeah. Can I just and pick I think, up on that? Because I think you've, I, I just want to make sure that people haven't misunderstood what you've said there about investment properties. You do manage investment properties. We do. But this is not a platform for investors, is no, it? No, You're it's not. We're only doing this with owner occupiers. Yeah. Homes. This is for yeah, homes is for better, people to live in. Better only. homes sooner. Yeah. We, yeah. we have other services we offer to people who are property investors, and, and, yeah. and that's fine. And we help them do that well as well and look after renters better, I think, than almost anyone else does. Um, but no, this is this is all about helping people buy a home, better home, sir. Yeah. Now, Evan, in sort of wrapping this up, we do have one question we ask every guest, and that is, what is one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you were a first home buyer? Oh man, I think it's what we're talking about. I mean, you know, we all buy a home because it's the place where we're going to nurture our most important relationships, um, and and it's a very emotional decision for that reason, and it should be. I don't think I truly understood, uh, and we're vaguely aware that you know property often goes up in value. I I had no idea, and I think most people don't that all properties don't go up by the same amount. Yeah, but the yeah. difference between buying a good home and a not so good home is easily half a million dollars, often a million dollars or more over the next ten years. Yeah, you, you know, it's just you shouldn't be buying a home for the principal purpose of making money. But oh my goodness. The, 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 the magnitude of the difference, you know, we show people case studies all the time of two assets that were bought 10 years ago at the same price. Yeah. And, and, and here's what they sold for last week. And there's between half a million and a million dollars difference, right? Yeah. There. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a thing I should have in my mind. I'm not saying people should focus on the financial outcome to drive buying their home, but they need to be aware that it's, it, it's possibly the single biggest number on the page for their, their family's financial future is the difference between buying a good home and not buying a good home. And I, I, I was lucky I, I ended up buying quite a good home, but purely by accident. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we're, we're with you on that. And, I, you know, some time ago I discovered the same same thing and, and that sort of laid the foundation for certainly my own personal approach to advising people on buying property. And, and I know Megan's, you know, got a very similar process of awareness I guess and yeah. and it's accidental because it wasn't taught and and literally until we started teaching it to be honest I'd never heard of being taught anywhere else well but so, you know why and this is what we've discovered as we've been doing this there is not a single company or industry in this country whose business is made more successful by being attached to high capital growth properties <laughs> right? property developers don't they build it and flip it and trick yeah. it, right <laughs> banks it makes no difference to them Real estate agents, it makes no difference. So yeah. all the industries and all of the businesses around our space, it makes no difference to yeah. any of them about whether or not you've bought a good quality asset. 
So we've tried to build a business which is all about whether you bought a good quality asset. And if and only if we help our clients do that, then we'll have a proper business as a result. Share in the benefit. Yeah. Now, quick note for our listeners, you might think that we cover everything that you need to know in these podcasts. A word of warning, however, we do not. We just scratch the surface. And if you really want to be an educated first home buyer, you need to learn all of the steps and how to do everything in the right order. Yeah, our our first home buyer guide course only costs $990 and you get direct access to us to help guide you through your negotiations. Veronica, in Campfire today, which is where we do the the, uh, group mentoring, we had someone bring two properties to us that were holes apart. Evan, you talk about you talked about the difference in a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of difference in capital growth. It this would have been that million dollar difference in which took an A grade years. versus C grade. Yeah, <laughs> all day long. Don't trust yeah. me. You know that's why I, I, I always love joining you too. You know, I think what you're doing is great. You know, I really love what you're doing with Home Buyer Academy and. Um, so it's just it's just a wonderful service that you're providing, and um, keep doing what you're doing. We'll try and help. Well, thank you, and trust us. You know, you'll overpay a hell of a lot more than a thousand dollars if you don't know what you're doing. But that particular example that Megan was just talking about over years, that would be hundreds of thousands of dollars difference, yeah. and that is what nine hundred ninety dollars saved them. <laughs> hundreds of thousands, right. <laughs> It's, as I say, it's the biggest number on the page. Yeah. Right. Thank you again, It feels like so far down the track, but we need to make Brian a bit more front of mind. Oh, my God, yes, because it makes a huge difference to your life. So, look, Evan, thanks so much for coming along and explaining this to us. Um, You know, we're going to keep in touch and and, over time, and we look forward to hearing some case studies, actually. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. We've got some great case studies already. So, yeah, look, look forward to it and. And for the folks that are watching, you know, if we can help you buy a better home sooner, um, then come talk to Buying Boost. So thank you. In this episode, we've only touched on a tiny part of the huge amount of things you need to know to become an educated first home buyer. There is so much more for you to do. You can learn all of the steps in the right order and avoid all of the mistakes that others have made in our 10-step online course for first-home buyers. If you'd like to learn more about the right process and avoid making rookie errors, become an educated home buyer. Head over to the website, check out your first home buyer guide, the course that we have created for you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you've liked what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. It helps other people find us. And of course, I know it's a bit cringy, but we're going to ask for five stars. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.